1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the band
0: sided podcast network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. This is Kevin Henry coming to you from the Press Box at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick in Scottsdale, Arizona. Been lucky enough to be hanging out this week with Thomas Harding, the beat writer for the Rockies for MLB.com.
1: Hey, Thomas. Hey there. (laughs) This has been fun, man. It's been fun. Hanging around baseball. I mean, this time last year, we were, what were we doing? We were holing up in our houses. We were. Worried about life itself and not even... All that concerned about baseball, man, this is great, isn't it?
0: So I I asked some of the players this week what they did whenever spring training started shutting down. I remember you and I were, you know, we were back in the press room and the NCAA tournament was canceled, NBA, NHL, everything started falling. What were your thoughts at that moment about what was getting ready to happen?
1: You know, I didn't know at first. I was thinking, man, I hope we can find a way through this. Then I thought, you know what? It's time for us to take a step back. Okay. It's time for us to make sure we protect ourselves. It's time for us to find some leadership in this whole thing. took a long time for that to happen. Yeah. And um, also, I thought back, I kept thinking, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I kept thinking back to the 1918, um, I believe it was, Stanley Cup final. And I even did some reading about it while we were down here. Wow. About how the uh, Montreal Canadiens were playing the Seattle Metropolitans. I believe the captain, um, one of the top defensemen in the league, died of the in, in the influenza ep- epidemic. Wow. What happened, the series was being played in Seattle. And when it moved to Montreal, the Canadiens didn't have enough players to play. And the Metropolitans weren't sure they were going to have enough, and the league canceled the series. Oh, my gosh. And I was thinking, man, I don't want a tragedy like that happening in our sport today.
0: No. And and I think, you know, Rudy Gobert and, and what all happened with him, I think it became very real at that point that these athletes could catch the virus. We could catch the virus. I, I think that was kind of a wake-up for everybody.
1: Yeah, it was a big wake-up for everybody. And what I hope has happened, though, since then, I mean, you look at – the toll that has taken on our society and the number of people that are lost. Um, I think what was unfortunate about some of the things that happened in the beginning was it developed this attitude that the only way you could get this virus was to be careless or callous or stupid. And frankly, it's so deep in our society. I'm so happy people are getting vaccinated because it's like any other type of virus um, that... uh, that is transferred through the air essentially through fluids essentially is that anybody can get it even if you're trying to be careful so let's continue to be careful which we've been doing down here we have salt river fields at talking
0: stick talking stick here in the press box (laughs) thomas and i've sat six feet apart we've worn our masks we we have been good and there have been elbow bumps going all around with the rockies players and and bud black and so let's let's fast forward a year. Here we are at spring training. What are some of the things that have jumped out at you? Uh, you know, you and I have talked about Jameson Hanna. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things that we kind of see developing down here. But I want to get your two cents
1: on it, man. Well, it's a uh, it's a strange time because the Nolan Arenado trade happened, and. We really haven't spent a lot of time up close to the players and dealing with them. Um, We haven't gone into the clubhouse or anything. Not that you can really get that. I I really sometimes roll my eyes at reporters saying they're giving you the feel of what's happening in the clubhouse. (laughs) They talk a certain way when we're there and a certain way when, when we're not. But here's what I'm noticing is that there are a lot of players... Nobody has said, I'm happy no one's gone. Nobody has said... Gee, Nolan was dragging us down or anything like that. No one's blamed Nolan Aranato for what happened. But there was a bit of a tension that seems to be gone right now um, for what that's worth. Now, I personally believe that if Nolan Aranato came in and, um, I don't know, said he hated mountains and (laughs) said he hated snow and didn't (laughs) want to be around, and he still hit 40 home runs a year, your team is better with Nolan Aranato. Nolan Aranato was not that bad a guy. Um, I do think that, though, there are a number of players that have been looking for a chance, and they're going to get one. And also, I see a little bit of confidence and defiance, and it goes back to, I guess it would be the tradition of the Colorado Rockies. Um, 2018 may be the only time, and, and, I, and I'm not even sure I count that year, that the Rockies were expected to do well and did well. Mm -hmm. And really, when you look at the peak rankings, the ones that are saying that the Rockies are going to lose 102 games, they had them in like 78, 79 wins. So there is this thing about this team that they feel like when everyone's counting them out, when everyone's against them, they do well. Now, is there enough talent? Offensively, it's hard to say there is because there are a lot of unproven players on the field. Pitching-wise, though... I'm not ready to toss this team in the trash can pitching-wise. Yeah. And I may be a minority in that, but when I, when I look at the starting pitching, then I see what Bud Black has done with the bullpen. And also, um, and I feel like I if I were saying this in public, I should wear a batting helmet or a catcher's mask. But the best thing that Jeff Breidich has done for this team is in the two playoff years, he went out and got guys for the bullpen, the guy for the bullpen that made a difference. And it really, if you look around baseball, I guess you'd have to go back to, was it 2017 when the um, Astros brought in Justin Verlander for that big trade that yep. made a difference, really, that that put a team completely over the top and won a World Series. It's hard to do at the deadline. but So I'm going to give him some points for what he's done at the deadline with this team. Now, like I say, are they going to get there? i mean that's a big that that's a big if when you look at the fact that there's so much improvement in the lineup
0: you know and and you talk about the attitude and you and I have heard about the chip on the shoulder and shock the world, you know all that stuff and 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 I think we kind of roll our eyes maybe a little bit at it, but at the same time, I think these players that's the the attitude that they're not just saying it, they're actually taking that onto the practice field.
1: Should we do a Kyle Freeland bingo card? Like, you know what? Snake in the grass. <laughs> oh, my Snake gosh. Snake in the
0: grass. Always <laughs> again. That was yep.
1: classic. That was classic. I mean, and, and he does have that attitude. And I think a lot of it comes from the pitching staff because, if you, if you recall, most of them came up through the organization. And uh, my Marquez was traded here before he'd ever pitched in the Major League. So they've yep. been brought up on an attitude that nobody believes you can pitch here. Nobody believes anybody can pitch here, and especially you can't pitch. Um, you look at some of the things that the, that the pitching staff has done. Two of the last three years, they've been either number one or number two in the National League in innings pitched and in quality starts. Those are things that are really important um, to, to a team that plays in this hitter's atmosphere. But nobody knows who these pitchers are. Right. So I think they have embraced some of that. And, and that, and that's where that comes from. And frankly, when you look at this, the history of the Colorado Rockies, when they've gone to the postseason, they've pitched, whether it's one out of the bullpen or two, out of the starters and the bullpen. They've really pitched. And uh, the last two teams that went to the playoffs, their offense... Two, two of the worst offenses that have gone to the playoffs in the last four seasons. So that's where that attitude comes from. And I think if you hang around the pitchers, you start buying in. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, a lot of people don't hang around pitchers. But <laughs> that's well, another story for another time.
0: And one thing that jumped out at me whenever you and I were watching the B game yesterday are all the relievers that were sitting around watching this B game happen. You know, Estevez and Bard and Givens and Oberg and Bowden. They were all there just hanging and watching. And it kind of made me go... These guys are invested even in a, a B game and what's going on. So I, I thought that was interesting.
1: Well, I think they all have a little bit of something to prove, whether it's borrowed coming off of last year, the comeback player of the year. And, you know, sometimes those stories are are, are great, but they don't last long. He obviously wants to last. Um, you look at at a guy like a Carlos Estevez or Scott, who, who pitched compromise last year because the hand injury. Scott Oberg, who missed the entire year and really wanted to be around. I'm, I've talked to him on a number of occasions, and he's like, I would text with guys, but really, there's not much I felt I could say to them because I wasn't there experiencing it. So there is a bit of that. Now, how far that goes when you're pitching? Obviously, you have to hit your spots when you throw your when you throw your pitches, yeah. but. You, you do sense a little bit of something different. Um, I think what I told you, I'm pretty sure I told you. If, if I didn't, I'm telling you now. <laughs> well,
0: tell me now, yeah.
1: There are teams that, are, that over the years we've seen that tank a season, meaning they're going to make sure that they are bad in order to get draft picks or in order to make sure that they get um, compensation picks when a guy leaves. Yeah. Or they want to make big trades at the deadline. There are teams that are bad, and when you come to spring training, not only do you know they're bad, but they know they're bad. They know they're tanking, and I and and I, and I believe that that attitude can permeate a ball club. This club is almost being told to tank. Why is Trevor Story here? And that is a philosophical question. Why keep? A guy like Trevor Story, when you know there's a good chance you could lose him at the end of the year, when you know that at the deadline, not a lot of teams are looking for shortstops. So, are you really going to get anything for him at the deadline? But it seems like these guys are like, okay, we traded Nolan, but I have a chance, and we have Trevor on the team, and we have Charlie on the team. Maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. So they don't. If, if they're if they're tanking or if they think they're bad, they don't know. It. Or if people think they're bad, they don't know it. <laughs> Maybe it's good that they're sequestered and, what is it, word quarantined yeah. and, and bubbled. And, I don't know.
0: And, and again, we, we can't get in the clubhouse to really get that feel. So all we see is on the field and in Zooms. You know, you wrote a story the other day about Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez. And I'm I'm curious, from what you've seen, do you think these guys have the bounce backs in them this year?
1: I think they have the talent to bounce back. Um I am purposely not making a decision based on what happens here. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I, I, I've watched both of them perform in games, and it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great so far. Um, Jairo Diaz, I think his last game, he got the ball up quite a bit. Carlos Estevez, some things happened behind him that weren't good, yeah. and he seemed to lose it a little bit. Um you hope that the swelling that we've talked about, that's still in his hand from being hit, he no longer has the pain. But you hope that that swelling doesn't create a problem. So, um, but I'm withholding judgment on what happened here. But I do look at their track records, and usually that's what you try to do, especially with relief pitchers, is that they tend to be up and down anyhow. But um, as Jim Tracy used to say. Uh, if you've seen it, it's in there. And okay. I don't want to go into gym tracing. No. I, I do want to, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but I don't know if your listeners want to hear me talk about, that's my mentor Felipe Allen, said. If you've seen it, it's in there. But. <laughs>
0: the, the impersonations that we get during the game are fantastic, and I wish everybody could hear them, I tell you. Uh, hey, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and ask Thomas about uh, his roster prediction article. Uh, so stay with us, and we'll be right back here on the Rockspile Rockies Report. And we are back. It's Kevin Henry and Thomas Harding of MLB.com, and we are at Salt River Fields, a talking stick for spring training. Thomas, you wrote a great article earlier this week with a kind of an updated roster prediction. And one of the things that stood out to me is, I know first base has been on a lot of people's minds. They're wondering what's going on with the competition. And you're a guy who wrote in your article that you believe that they will carry Bird, Crone, and Fuentes all on the opening day roster.
1: Correct. In fact, I'm calling up that article because so many things (laughs) happen day-to-day in spring training. And I've done a lot of talking with people. I've been able, just using some contacts, to kind of Really try to reach in for the thinking that's going on here. When you go out and you sign a Greg Bird and a C.J. Crowe, two things. Number one, Greg Bird's had a lot of injuries over his career, but the small snippets have been wonderful. Really good left-handed hitter. It screams to me of a bat off the bench. Um, When you sign C.J. Krohn, the the day they sign C.J. Krohn, I'm like, okay, he's at the top of the depth chart at first base. I think I forgot to update it on the site. But because when a guy has hit 30 and 25 home runs and you lose Nolan Arenado, it's logical. It's practical. It's all all the things that it should be. You go out and you sign C.J. Krohn to play first base. Um, But the Rockies, and I think I used this term, are getting increasingly amoeba-like. You have a shortstop in Trevor Story. You have a right fielder, Charlie Blackman, and a left fielder, Romel Tapia. Everybody else plays multiple positions. And you move guys around. And, you, and th- those do open some strategic moves during the game. And since we're still playing National League Baseball without the DH, right. and since you still play a lot of games, of course, feel they get really crazy, you use that bench. Um, Whether it's Josh Fuentes in the starting lineup some days, and I do believe that he will get some starts, like at first base when there's a really favorable matchup to him or when they want to rest Chrome, or at third base when there's a tough left-hander. And it it looks like Fuentes has the approach to handle those. I think that Fuentes will be entering a lot of games and double switches. He's going to get a lot of at-bats. Um... I was talking to someone else who was trying to do a depth chart of the Rockies, and it's hard to do depth charts anymore. We almost need to do away with those for a number of teams because so many people move around. The um, positional versatility thing is so big in the game here. It's not a linear thing. One guy's the starter. One guy's the backup. One guy's the emergency Um, third quarterback or whatever it is. Um, Even coming up behind them, first base or third base or left field is a good place to work a guy like a rival into the major leagues. First base and third base, Colton Welker, it's a good place to get those guys in. Um, So, I'm not really looking at this as a first-base battle. One guy plays first base and the other guys sit there and they put dirt on the uniform and tell their mom they played.
0: (laughs) Well, and and that versatility that I think some Rockies fans roll their eyes about, but yet it has become such a part of the fabric of this franchise, that means you're going to likely see a Fuentes in the outfield some, a Chris Owings in the outfield some. And if I remember right, in your article... Obviously, there's going to be some casualties with this roster movement, and and you think that may be a, a Jonathan Daza?
1: Yeah, I do. And I think that, man, talking about a guy who came to Major League Baseball at the absolute wrong time. You look at Jonathan Daza, and there's no doubt in my mind that he is the best outfielder the Rockies have on on their roster. Um, you, get, you throw the Charlie Blackmans and everybody else around on top of you, He's their best outfielder, defensively. Probably if he played um, a lot, he would be an impact player with the arm, throwing guys out on the base pass. But he's really not transferred minor league hitting to the major leagues. Yeah. And right now, what they need is more offense. So it is very hard to see him making this club. Um, the other thing that I find very unfortunate about Yonathan Daza right now is you can't expand the roster beyond, what is it, 28 in September? Yep. Is that right?
0: That's right.
1: When you had the 40-man roster and you could almost have specialists out there, he and if you were in the playoff race, he would have made a difference there. Now, I've seen better from him offensively here. So, with Greg Bird on a minor league contract and your situation with Daza being out of minor league options... Maybe he can hit his way onto this opening day roster, or maybe, at because of his skill set, and it's not an impact offensive skill set. Maybe they can get him through waivers and then use him at some point during the year. But Greg Bird, um, he screams left-handed bat off the bench. Who can play some first base? In. Yeah, uh,
0: and and I think those left-handed bats off the bench are going to be important, as you said, for a team that's trying to find offense. Um, would be remiss if I didn't ask you about another outfielder that's making some waves here, Jameson Hanna. Uh, I think a lot of us, whenever the Jeff Hoffman trade went down, we all looked at what Robert Stevenson could bring to the bullpen, and maybe Jameson Hanna was a little bit overlooked in that, but I think he's turning some eyes here at camp for sure.
1: Yeah, I am happy not to brag, but I am happy that I tracked down Jameson Hanna the week after the trade and talked to him quite a bit, because this goes back to... um, a whole lot of trades that this team has made over the years, where somebody who hasn't really popped in the major leagues or somebody who hasn't gotten to the major leagues has been the guy. And there's the, the best example is Herman Marquez because they traded uh, they traded um, Corey Dickerson mm-hmm. and they got Jake McGee for the bullpen. Marquez was a guy that I looked. At, I remember looking at the Tampa Bay prospect list, and I love to make fun of prospect lists. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad I don't do those because they're so easy to make fun of. He was like 16th on their prospect list, but you start calling people in the game, and they're like, "They did this to get Marquez," <coughs> and it turned out that one of the Rockies' key scouts in Venezuela actually convinced Marquez at age 14 to move from third base to pitcher. Huh. which So there was a deep history there. So it, it looks like that's the case with Jameson Hanna in that um, they've really tracked him for a long time. Out of high school, at Dallas Baptist, I think they may have scouted him at the same time that they scouted Sam Hilliard when he was in high school. Okay, So this is a guy that they have a lot of information on and what I like about him is sometimes you get guys that are baseball players that just don't feel like athletes to me, you know. Yep. They've learned how to play baseball and played on the right travel teams and put up the right numbers in college or, or, or in high school and college. But James and Hannah looks like a guy you could play in all three outfield positions. If you just really wanted to have some fun with a left-handed person, you can put him at second base. You know, (laughs) just for the fun of it to see what happens. Yeah. At some point, let's talk about that, maybe on a later podcast. That would be great, actually. Um, But ah, they like his hitting approach. They like the fact that, that he tries to stay in the middle of the field into the opposite gap. He's not quite there yet. And that's the thing that Bud Black is kind of warning us about. He's gone right. out of his way to warn us about it because we're seeing these little snippets, and they're coaching him, yep. and they know that there's more development. But I think the key to him is that he knows there's more development, too. Um, he impresses me in that he's a very quiet guy. Um, like I asked him on the Zoom call the other day, who have you talked to here? He's like... Not really tough, but I watch Charlie Blackman. I watch Trevor Story, and yeah. I watch what they do and how they approach the sport. So he is a guy that yeah, I'm looking at to see if he can go into that outfield in much the way that Garrett Hampson did, where just a live body and um, a live oh, sure not a live body a lively body yeah and just add some um, athleticism to this team.
0: And, and I think he's one of those guys, like a like a Ryan Rolison, like a Colton Welker. Everybody's like, well, when's he going to come? When's he going to be a part of this? And and like you said, there's still a lot of uh, seasoning left to do before that uh, uh, meal is done. Shall we say?
1: Yeah, there's some seasoning. But here's the weird thing, though, is that while we're talking, we talk about I kind of put him in a different category than Rolison or a uh, Welker or or Velade. And that Rolison lead pitcher from a major college program. He's got to be part of the rotation. Uh, Welker and Valade, big guys who look like what Colorado Rockies should look like, big guys who swing the bat hard. (coughs) Um, Jamison Hanna, he was like a mid-level prospect in the two organizations he was with. He was with the A's before being traded for Tanner Roark. He was with the um, Reds, and they didn't even bring him to the summer camp or the alternate site last year yeah so in a way he's kind of the story of the colorado rockies and that okay he's in the middle of the prospect list but they believe in this guy yeah and sometimes you can believe in the wrong guy and sometimes you can believe in the right guy i think they think they have the right guy in jamison hannah and, and yeah he does kind of fit that that whole mode that hey People don't think you're very good. He talks about being a smaller guy. I think he's listed at he's listed at five nine. That you know he was overlooked coming out of high school. Um, so maybe there's a there's an attitude that they're trying to develop with a guy like that.
0: Well, I know we've got the right guy in Thomas uh, covering for MLB.com. The Rockies always loved sitting here chatting with him, and I know we've still got a couple of days left at spring training and. Looking forward to hanging with you and uh, watching all this uh, continue to unfold in front of our eyes.
1: Yes, I'm watching a lot with this team. It's not just um, the few situations at the roster and the bullpen is going to be a really difficult Rubik's cube for them to handle, <clears throat> but also the guys that are coming up. We've talked about um, Jameson Hanna, Ryan Rollins, and also Helcrys Olivares. Yes, who I feel like the leader of the band in the hype parade. <laughs> but that guy looks like he reminds me of, well, when I heard about him, he sounded like what they said about Sensatella. Okay. When I watch him, I see some of that, and I see some Ubaldo in him.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: The, just the looseness of the arm, the looseness of the body, and also the way he carries himself on the mound for such a young fellow. He's 20 years old, but... If somebody called me and said, hey, Helcris Oliveris is coming to the major leagues. And in some organizations, they may may bring him along a lot faster. So I'm seeing some things behind the roster that say, hey, this may be rough. You know, they may be putting a happy face on a difficult roster to win with. (coughs) But I don't think it's a mess. I don't think this is a mess right now.
0: I think Rockies fans need to hear that. Actually, that uh, you know there there is a glimmer of hope, shall we say, coming.
1: Yeah. Well, there's. I think more that it's not a complete mess. That it's not the most disorganized, dysfunctional group that's ever lived. And let's face it, um, I could go to Cubs fans. Yep. And they could be talking about being the cheapest franchise that ever lived because they traded you, Darvish. Um, there are Cardinals fans, if you follow social media, there are Cardinals fans who are saying, Austin Gomber is going to be a superstar because the Cardinals <laughs> always trade away their superstars. <laughs> and, I, and I do like what I've seen from him. So it's hard because you don't want to tell fans, hey, you're not unique. You don't want to tell, because right. every fan base is unique. But um, I just don't think that it has all fallen apart. And it always goes back to the pitching with me. It's like I say, like I tell people all the time. If I came home from my youth baseball games. Mom, Mom, I had a double. I had I, I had two bun singles and I stole three bases. And she looks at me and goes, what did your pitcher do? He walked eight. And she's like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You know, so it all goes back to pitching. Yeah, from the from, I agree. the from my youngest age.
0: I like that. Yeah. Well, and and uh, I know your your affinity for those Pittsburgh pine, Pittsburgh Penguins, I should say. <laughs> and I know Pirates fans are uh, quick to point out how uh, dysfunctional they think their franchise is. <laughs> oh, I can well.
1: tell you about that group too. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like, uh, and um, I, I know we're running long, but oh, I, I'll good. have to give an admission in that um, I was big into. Not as much... I was big into the Pirates Ridership. Okay. You know? I remember the day Roberto Clemente died, and my uncle comes over, and he's picking with me, and I'm screaming at him, Roberto Clemente's dead, and you're picking with me. And, you know, I kind of followed it. I, I, I think that I heard enough stories about the 1960 Pittsburgh Pirates that I swear, even though I wasn't born, I watched them win that World Series <laughs> being outscored. Yep. Um, But... I had an argument with someone from New York, of course. And they're like, well, New York is not like Pittsburgh. Baseball is important to us. I'm like, hold on. Baseball is really important to them. Their problem is they, they will spend money they don't have to see a good team. They can't afford to see a bad team. You know? That's interesting. And, and it's like, yeah, they were upset. It wasn't that they were boycotting the team. Is that they wanted to spend their money to watch the Pittsburgh Pirates, but they cannot; they don't have the money to watch the Pirates be a bad team. And I think we see some of that here. I mean, yeah. now, the, now there are some of the louder voices on social media, boycott or whatever. I would; it would be nice if you had the money to boycott or whatever. Where oh, I have the money, I just won't give it to you. <laughs> Which hey. You're blessed if that's the case, you know? Sure. The, the, the Rockies, they do need to win to draw fans and things like that. But, I mean, it's just that they need to be a um, smart in entertainment dollar choice. Let's let, let's face that. Yeah. I, I break it down to that. Rather than, you know, they're your um, public entity that has to satisfy the people in order for life to go the way it should.
0: Deep thoughts from Thomas Hardy. I know, I, which I love, man. Tell this, you, I is just,
1: running, <laughs> this is run completely off the rails. That's here. all right. No, I,
0: I think Rocky fans are, you've given them a lot to chew on, seriously. So I appreciate that, yeah, man. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I love spending time with Thomas. Uh, Definitely one of the joys of covering the Rockies or getting to know the guys here in the press box and obviously Thomas, uh, not only leading the Oliveris band, but so many of us as well. So (laughs) thanks again, man. I appreciate it. All
1: right. Thank you. All right.
0: And hey, thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Rock's Power Rockies Report. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, go Rockies.
1: Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3, it comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com/podcast.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,